What's up, everybody? I hope y'all are ready for a word. If you're ready this morning, I need you to shout right now. One, two, three. <laughs> I'm just telling y'all right now. <laughs> Whew, y'all better get ready. I need you to tap your neighbor and say, I forgive you. Tap your neighbor, not for real. Tap your neighbor, say, I forgive you. Tap the other one that you didn't tap, say, I don't forgive you. Because you didn't look at them first, so you know you don't forgive them. Today's going to be a little bit different. Today's going to be a little bit different. I got to catch my breath. I was over there dancing, y'all. <laughs> I can do one time what I used to could, but I can't keep doing it if y'all know what I mean. Y'all thinking country. I don't listen to country. All right. So we're going to keep going with Unplugged, and it's, it's about prayer. And if you've missed it, it's cool because today it, it, you'll get it. I'm telling you, you'll get it. But this is what I want to tell you before I even lean in and get started is Every one of you are going to make a decision whether or not this is for you. And when I get up, sometimes I know that the message is specifically aimed at men or specifically aimed at women or specifically aimed at young people. But if you're 85 years old or you're 12, it does not matter today. There is no one in the room that will not be affected. It's your decision what you do with it. But I have never in my life, I tried to think this week, how many messages have I preached? And I can't figure it out, but it's, it's in the hundreds. I don't think it's thousand in, to a thousand yet, but it's probably close. Messages I've preached in my life, and I've never, ever, ever, and I'm not joking, I've never had one sit on me and deal with me like this one. Never. Uh, it has completely wrecked my spirit, <laughs> and it has been hilarious what the Lord has done in my life in the last couple weeks. And when y'all hear that, y'all think he's had miracles happen. No, this has been bad, okay? This has been me having to go, holy cow, I thought I was all right. And the Lord is helping me realize that I ain't as good as I thought I was, somebody. But I'm really grateful. And I believe with all my heart, this is going to free some of y'all that this is going to be one of the greatest days that you've ever experienced. I need y'all to know this before I say anything else. Salvation is one time and it's always. He holds you in his grasp and no one can take you away. But change happens in a process every time. If y'all want a magic wand in this house and you think that I can touch your head and all of a sudden everything's healed, you're in the wrong place. That's not reality. Everybody wants a quick fix and everybody wants a genie. But that's not the reality of this world. We always change as a process of getting better. Not all of a sudden we've arrived. And at the moment that I think I've arrived is the moment that I'm finished and I'm in big trouble. This has been a change in my life that has recently happened that has been excruciating, to be honest with you. But I'm so thankful. It's awesome. And I can't wait to share it with y'all. So we all pray with me. God, this morning as we, as we just look at this, and we explore what you have for us and what you've laid so heavily on me. I'm excited, and I believe you're going to do something that we've never seen before in this house and in our personal lives. And I'm just excited, and you've already started moving, and worship was awesome, and I'm so thankful. And I just, I'm pumped, Lord. You're doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I'm going I'm to use my cell phone again. If y'all have missed Unplugged, um, I, I've it makes sense because it's not plugged in and then the battery's low. And if y'all didn't get that, now you got it. But um, someone's like, oh, that's what that is. But, but before I talked about being unplugged or like your cords messed up and how frustrating it is when you wake up and you go, ah, it's not plugged in. But this, this is different. This is different. This is when you're all plugged in. This is when you go through the motions and you do the thing and, and you have prayed and you have read your Bible and you have done it all. 
and you have plugged in your phone and you have made sure it's charged and you checked when you got up in the middle of the night because you got to use the bathroom because you have a growing problem, not a going problem. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Keep going. All right, but like, and, and, and so you check and you make sure and everything's good and then you realize something's not right with this thing. Y'all ever had this happen? You start trying to use it and it goes, and it turns all crazy colors and it, it stops working and it shuts off on you. I want it when I'm driving down the road. And it makes that noise and it just drops a call. Do y'all like, am I the only one that gets upset? I, some of you, no. Right? Y'all know. But I need a show of hands or I need y'all to talk to me in the room. How many of y'all have ever on a computer, on a tablet, on a phone, how many of y'all have gotten a virus? Like, I, so this is most of us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't know anything about computers, so I'm talking above my head. Y'all just stay with me and pretend that I do, right? Here's what, that, here's what that is. Someone has made a code or some kind of deal, and there's all different kinds of those. And the purposes vary from, from virus to virus, but the purpose on one big part is to take what's inside and to steal it from you. They want to steal your identity when they're going in. And so there's been huge viruses that we know went out. And it's been a big problem in major corporations. But then for you individually, it just it, it, with phones and with tablets and specifically the feeling of unplugged, what it wants to do is take the app that is working correctly or take the thing in your system that is working correctly and just shift it around where it won't work anymore. And, and the operating system gets completely jacked up. And it is maddening because someone that's smart, that's not me has to take it and they reboot it and they do all this stuff and a change has to take place in order for it to operate like it's supposed to. Today, the message is about forgiveness. And here's what I'm telling you. We've heard messages. If you've, if you've ever been in church, you've heard a message on forgiveness before. This is a little bit different, I can tell you. Based on what the Lord's done in my life and what he's shown me, this is a little bit different. And here's what I'm here to tell you today. The lack of forgiveness in your heart I'm going to go deeper. The lack of forgiveness in the church, the corporate body of Christ, is a virus that is like cancer that is in your home and in your heart, and it is killing us. And it is taking our identity, and it is taking who we are, and it is changing what is supposed to be and God's future for your life and the destiny that he has laid out before you. And it shifts it, and then we give up, and we say, I fully charged this stupid thing. I knew everything about it. I knew everything that I was supposed to do. God, I did everything that you said I was supposed to do, and this stupid thing isn't working. This Christian life isn't working, and I'm, I'm done. And if you've never said that, to God be the glory. But I've sat in that seat before, and I've said, God, I don't get this. I don't understand what you're trying to do. Y'all, I'm telling you, a nuclear bomb has gone off in my heart, and I believe with all my heart. Forgiveness looking at it the way that God said, the way that Jesus Christ actually spoke about it, is going to do something that's just going to, it's going to revolutionize people in this room. But it's not easy. It's not easy. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. If y'all will, Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to ask you to say this out loud. If today's your first time, we do this together. I grew up playing ball. We said the Lord's Prayer right before we went out to do it. And I know that you do it in a chant and a low tone. Y'all with me? Hallowed be thy name. And I don't know how it happens because I can say, please don't. And it's still, and like you talk three octaves lower than you can ever talk in your life when you preach the Lord's prayer and you say it. But I'm asking y'all to say this with me and I know it's going to be a chant to God be the glory. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. And we're going to start with our father. So I'm going to read this first. And after I say pray, we're all going to do it together. Are y'all with me? Watch out now. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, 
Hallowed be your name. Stop. Woo! I did good. Here we go. Keep going. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Awesome. Y'all did amazing this morning at saying that. It was about an octave higher than I'm used to. So I'm a little weirded out right now because y'all actually said it. It was good. But here's what I want y'all to know is these prayers, individual lines stack on each other. So, so if you miss week one, it was the person of prayer, our father. As a body, he's our father. If you follow Christ, he's our father who's in heaven, hallowed your, be your name. He's the, the person of prayer is God the father. And Jesus interestingly compared God the father with the father of this world, the father of lies. And all of us have a daddy. The problem is we need to decide who is our father and who are we following and then the second one is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. That is a petition. It is, a petition is going before a government official and asking for, to receive something. And you're going before the king of kings when you pray. And that's the greatest government official. And last week, or two weeks ago, excuse me, was the provision of prayer. He is our provider. That is his name. One of his names in the Bible is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And so those things stack on each other and I begin to understand who I'm praying to and why I'm praying and how it happens. And then there's like a wrench that happens. And it's today. And it's forgive me how I forgive other people. And forgiveness really means, and we're going to do the peace, so y'all just stay with me because I like making everything the same letter. If y'all don't like it, it's okay, I love you. But we're going we're to keep going with the peace. And, and the, the word forgiveness, there's a P word for it. Who knows what it is? I'm going to give you a, I beg your... Eventually, I knew we could, sounds like, right? I knew we could get there, right? The pardon of prayer is today. Now, before I read the definition, y'all can read it, I don't care. But before I get to the definition, I just want to tell you what I think of when I think of pardon. This is so dumb, but I'm just, I need y'all to, to lean in and be with me. The very first thing I think of when I think of pardon is Thanksgiving. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Show me your hand if you know Thanksgiving. What happens at Thanksgiving. There's a presidential pardon for the stupid turkey. You got Butterball, and you got Holly Farms chicken and Oscar Mayer and all these other different kinds of turkey. But one of these turkeys need to be on the news, and there needs to be a pardon. I pardon you, turkey. And I don't know where it lives, and in the White House somewhere in the bottom or something. It's crazy. And then at the end of the year, I don't know if you're Republican or Democrat, and I don't care today, but we lose our minds over the presidential pardons at the end of the year. If you're a Republican and there's a Republican in the White House, you say, well, that person should have been pardoned, right? Come on, Jesus. And if you're a Democrat, like, ah, he's evil. And then now Obama's still in the White House. He's got one more time to pardon. And all the Republicans are having Fox News debates on what needs to happen. He's going to give everybody a pardon that's a Democrat. This is going to be the worst. And we lose our minds because a pardon is the action of forgiving or being forgiven for an offense. Here's the other thing that I think of. Presidential pardon, the stupid turkey, bless you, pardon me, I just sneeze, right? Thank you. That, that was like we planned it. That was really good. And then if you don't hear somebody, if you don't hear somebody and they say something too, that's when you say, I beg your? Why am I begging for your forgiveness if I didn't hear what you said and you mumbled? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Like, 
It's crazy. And some of y'all that are a little bit younger than me, you've probably never heard that. Thank the Lord, because it's weird. But like, but like, that's what we think of when we think of pardon. But when it comes to true forgiveness, I don't think about, I promise y'all I don't think about this. I don't think about what Jesus said in this verse. Let me read it again. And forgive us our debts. I'm not reading it. I'm quoting it so y'all can be impressed. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That was hard, wasn't it? Y'all are impressed right now. Because this is the deal. I've read this, and y'all have read this. We've said it. If you, like I said, if you were on ball teams, you quoted this dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Do you ever really consider what this says? I mean, really. God, my good, good father, the person of prayer, I'm asking you now to pardon me on the level that I pardon them. Nope, right? Does anybody else understand what I'm talking about? Never. Never do I pray in this manner. Lord, pardon me, and then get them, sick them, right? Go do what only you can do, Father. And I'm self-righteous, and I stand up and say, bless God, I'm going to do the right thing no matter what it takes, and I'm going to show them. And Here's the tension with it, though, and I'm not going to show you a bunch of Greek words today. I, I am a nerd, so I love that stuff, so y'all forgive me on that. <laughs> Y'all see what I did? Shameless plug. All right. But this word for debt and this word for debtor are two totally different words. And this is the problem in the English language is they translate the same. But one means bankruptcy of the soul. Everybody's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Let me explain what bankruptcy means because I'm not sure y'all know what that means. It means I can't pay it back. And the other one means I can pay it back. It's a debt that can be paid back. So I'll give you an example because y'all are looking at me like, I don't know what he means, right? If I owe $10,000 on a car, can I pay that back? I don't know how much you make, so I'm not sure. Yes, okay. If I owe $5 million, can I pay that back? Watch, I'm going to help you. Nope. I mean, we, we're in trouble. I tried to do the math this week. If I were 100, ooh, it might be longer than that. I got to work a long time, <laughs> right? I mean, this, this is bad. And then I don't get to buy any candy. You know what I mean? I don't get to buy any fruit. I don't get to buy any veggies. It's like, I don't like those. Any steaks, okay? I don't get to do anything. I just got to pay back this debt that can't be paid. There is no way I'm bankrupt. Did you know that in your personal life, you are bankrupt in your spirit until the Lord Jesus saves you from your sin? There is a debt that cannot be paid inside of me called sin. And the only chance that I have is that he bought my sin and my debt and my pride and my hate and my envy and everything I've ever done with his blood. So that debt has been paid, somebody. And this is what's cool. And this is what most of us struggle in. I'm going to have to be careful not to do a rabbit trail because this, I'm just going to let y'all in. I believe God saved me from the debt that I had in the past and maybe even for the debt that I had yesterday, but not what I'll do in the future. I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel like the Lord told me to between services, and so I'm saying it now. I've heard this my whole life, and I don't know if it's like a southern thing or what it is, but I've heard so many people say, did you know that 
Suicide was the unpardonable sin. And can I tell you why that's not true? He saves me from what I've done. He saves me from what I'm doing. And he saves me from what I will do. Yeah, but you can't confess it. I did confess it. When I confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and and believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, he saved me from hell. There is a difference between personal, individual, everyday forgiveness and and salvation. Salvation is one time forever. And there is, y'all don't miss this because I'm going to come back to it at the end. There's only one sin that separates me from God forever. There's only one. And it's unbelief. Sin is not what keeps me out of heaven. Sin is not what puts me in hell. That is the penalty of the sin is death and hell. But the thing that keeps me out is unbelief. That is the one thing that I can do on this planet is to deny Christ and to walk in rebellion against him for my entire life to die and not know him. But we miss the point when we say it's only sin. It's not only sin. It's deeper than that. It's, it's understanding that my debt is impossible to pay. It's this debt. But because of his love and his blood that was shed for me, there will never be a debt in this guy's life again that can be unpaid because he already paid it. Now, if I stop right there, that's good news. Does anybody else think so in this room? <laughs> Woo! But now to the tension part. Now to the drop the mic part where I'm really struggling and where God has jacked me up. If I really pray like God told me to pray, what I'm actually saying is, God, at the level that you did, at the level that you love, at the level that you serve and lean in, I will do that as well for those that have wronged me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that goes, my goodness. Recently, I fasted, and I thought I had this idea of why I was going to fast. And so I told the Lord, this is what I'm good at. I told the Lord, this is what I'm going to do, Lord. And he, I, I don't think he like laughs at me like I'm an idiot. But if I was God, <laughs> I would laugh at me like I'm an idiot. Because eventually what I got to the point of was two words, selfishness and forgiveness. I believe at the root of every sin is selfishness and unforgiveness or unpardon. He said, no, I forgave that person a long time ago. You did with your mouth, but in your spirit, inside of you, you've never forgiven them. And here's how I know how. Jesus, in Matthew 18, and we're going to turn there in a minute, but I'm going to show you something first, tells a story of great debt and small debt and how the person was held in contempt because in their heart they never really gave forgiveness. And it's a parable of the unforgiving, wicked servant who owed millions of dollars in that day's coin but was owed 10000 and hated the person and beat the person up. And we hear that and we're like, what a moron. Why would you do that? And I'm going to tell y'all, I believe we do that because... It's so much harder to look in the mirror than it is to look out at you. I can look out at you and I can start handpicking, that person did that. I know what you did. I heard what you said. You know what I'm talking about? And I want to give you an example. This morning, I was driving in and I wore this. I know this is breaking news that I wore what I have on. When I was coming, and every single Sunday, I have the same routine. I get here early and I walk around and pray pray and I put my earbuds in and I just go nuts. If y'all were here at 7.30 on a Sunday, I bet you wouldn't come at 11.30 on Sunday because you'd be like, this dude is crazy, right? But I just go after it and I'm just praying, I'm worshiping, I'm doing my thing. 
This morning, I, and I put my earbuds in a lot of times, and I'll try to only put one in so I can hear someone honking at me when I'm rude. But like, y'all missed it. But like, I, uh, this morning, I was at the red light right here. This is true, I promise you, I'm not making this up. This morning, I wear sunglasses, because I have blue eyes and it's hard to see. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, say, yup. And I have my buds in. I have a hoodie, if y'all can see that. And I passed this dude in a red truck. If you're watching online, I love you with the love of the Lord. And he's got a hoodie. He's got sunglasses and earbuds on. And my thought, as God is my witness, my thought is, dang, dude looks like the Unabomber. I hope he doesn't come to my house today. <laughs> and I'm telling myself this joke, and I'm waiting on myself to laugh, and I did this. Oh. This is funny. That's right. Like, this is, this is, and then this is what I thought. I believe some things happen by chance. You know, I really do. I think random happens, and I think the Lord showed me that this morning to let me have a picture of what my life is like every single day. Matthew 7 says, judge not lest you be judged. There's a plank in my eye, a log, a board in my eye while I look at the splinter or the speck in your eye. Because it is so much easier. I don't really love the mirror, y'all. Just being, just being real. This is my mirror every day. All right, it's good. If Leah's up and I'm up, I look at Leah and say, what's this like? It's good. Good, we're out. <laughs> I've seen enough. Because I don't, I mean, I don't ever go by and go, yeah, you know what I'm saying? This is me and you. It's, it's whatever. It's what it is. We're not going to change it. I don't hate myself. No, so don't start praying for me and feel bad in that. But I don't wake up and go, I'm doing the world a favor by coming out. Blah, blam. Like, that's not how it is. And as much as I feel that way about how I look, and I don't care. I don't feel bad and all that stuff. I really don't care. I do it a whole lot more with what you do and what I do. In the last week, the Lord has shown me, I am not kidding, 11 different people. 11 different people that I've either wronged or they wronged me. And I've had run-ins with them that I haven't had in a year or more. And you know, we often say, man, that devil, he's bringing up this stuff against me and he's doing this. And you know what I think it is? I think it's the love of my God who's allowing to reveal inside of me the things that have not been forgiven, that I said with my mouth was forgiven, but in my spirit, in my heart, I let them go down deep, way deeper than anyone can even possibly imagine, and they just sit there. And in the most inopportune times, they show themselves. And it's like a virus in my life. It's like cancer that's going off. But cancer of the person can be done with chemotherapy and radiation, and things can change. But in my spirit, none of that works. There is only a breaking of every chain through the Holy Spirit and His power. And His forgiveness out and His forgiveness in. And here's why I think the problem happens. Genesis chapter 4. I've never seen this before in my life. I've read it dozens and dozens of times, but I've never seen the parallel. And this is what has me jacked up today, y'all. Genesis chapter 4. Lamech is a descendant of Cain. Cain killed Abel, if y'all know the story. Y'all, there's something to sins of the Father. I'm just going to sit on this and I'm just going to back it up and let y'all think about it. But there's something to sins of the Father and unforgiven and unforgiveness that when they, when they fester and they live inside of us and it goes to my son or my daughter and it keeps on going down, it grows and it gets worse. And here's a picture of it. Lamech said to his wives, I don't understand the Bible in this, in this context. Why can't this dude be named John and this dude be named like 
Justin. You know what I mean? Like, why does it have to be Ada and Zilla? Like, or, or it's his wife, so it can be Mary and Martha, and that's much easier in the Bible. Or Jennifer, why does it have to be Ada and Zilla? Hear my voice. I, that's just a side note. I'm going to continue. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say, and I need y'all to get this right here because this is crazy. And we pass right over and say, mm. I have killed a man for wounding me. Did you hear that? I killed somebody because they cut me or they wounded me or they hurt me. And a young man for hitting me. I killed them. If Cain's, what's this word? Everybody say it. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. If Cain's revenge was sevenfold, then mine is much greater. Revenge is always, always, always passionate. Oh my goodness, y'all better get ready because I'm about to preach. Revenge always comes down from here. We never, when we're living in our person, in our flesh, we never, ever, ever want to get even. We say that. I don't get mad, I get even. You don't want to get even. You want to get revenge. Revenge is a dish best served cold. Revenge is the thing that sits on me and I just think to myself, I might say something and make y'all think that I'm good. I've done this so often. Social media, I pray that. Or when I'm around the people that I need to show off in front of and have a mask on and be fake, I'm just, I'm just praying for that person. You ain't prayed for them, Mark. Because down deep in your soul, when you find out that bad happened in their life, three years later, you feel good about it. Can I just tell y'all this? I'm going to go a little deeper with y'all. Revenge is very passionate. Satan's hope for your life is that you will be passionless when it comes to the things of the Lord. So, y'all listen, and I'm not being inappropriate, but I need y'all to catch this. God has given you great power, and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power. That's what the Bible says in Acts 1-8, not me. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. If, he, if he's made you new, and he's made you right, and you sit in a seat, and there's possibility to do, but there's no power to do it. And so you have the tool, but it won't function. That is called impotence. And we know what it means, and we know what the blue pill is, and I am not telling a joke right now. But when it comes to our spirit, we have great passion to get back at people. But in forgiveness, there is no passion whatsoever. There is passiveness. And the result of that is where the, where the church sits today. We are impotent. We don't plant seed of hope. We don't plant seed of the Holy Spirit. We don't plant seed that he has and what only he can do. And what we actually do is say things about them, hoping they can get saved and then judge them right where they sit. Jesus was attracted to their dirt. What we're attracted to is to step on their dirt, not to pick them up out of their dirt. And it's because, listen, listen, it's because inside of us, there is so much unforgiveness that it festers and it, and it manifests, which means it shows itself through our unforgiveness with our mouths and with our actions because we have great passion to get them back and show them we're right. This is my life, y'all. I know the Bible very well. I've read the Bible through at least 25 times. That does nothing for me if I'm unforgiving. If I have not love. It does not matter what my gift is. God is much more concerned with who your person is than who your gift is and what your gift is. And we focus so much on what we're going to do for God that we miss the whole point. And this is our lives. They have struck me. I will kill them. And interestingly, here's what Jesus said as a rebuttal. 
Peter comes to Jesus in Matthew 18. He's like, all right, check this out. This dude keeps messing up. And he keeps, he just keeps on. And y'all know the people in your life. I'm telling you, you know, come on, somebody. And they keep on doing stupid stuff. I agree. And they keep on doing stupid stuff. And then Peter looks at Jesus in Matthew 18 and he says, y'all look at this. He came up to him and said, Lord, how often do I have to keep forgiving these people? I did it once, twice, three times a lady. Like, how long do I keep having to do this, right? He said, as many as seven times? Like, I'm doing God a favor here. Do y'all ever feel that way? Or is it just me? God, look what I did. <laughs> Pat myself on the back. I did this. And Jesus, this is so fascinating, y'all. I've never seen this. Jesus looks at him and he says, they'll do it 70 times, seven, 70 fold seven. In this version, it says 77 times. But the best translation is 70 fold 7. It's exactly in the Greek here, what it was in the Hebrew in Genesis 4, which means, which means, this is what Jesus is saying. It's not a number. The number is, is, it doesn't matter. It's the spirit that Lamech had on one end that was so much hate. That is what it looks like in love. That is how we forgive people. And I just was in my office and I started going crazy. And then I had all this, this, this conviction. It was not guilt. It certainly was from the Holy Spirit. And I began to think of people that I've said with my mouth, I forgive you. Or I needed to say with my mouth, will you forgive me? And the only thing that I did was what I used to do as a kid. And I need somebody to talk to me because y'all know what I mean. Watch. I was awesome as a kid. Where's my people that grew up with me? I was an awesome kid that never did anything. Uh, or every day I was mischievous and I got into stuff. And especially to my sisters, they were blessed to grow up with me. And it was awesome. And so I would do something to destroy something in their room, like the Barbie Dream House or something, every single day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If my sisters were here, they'd be standing up like I'm Bishop Jakes up here preaching. They'd be going after it, y'all. And my mama would come in every time, and this is what she'd say. Look at your brother right now. I need you to forgive him. You better tell him you're sorry. Y'all remember? Tell him sorry. I'm saying that. You better tell them right now that you're sorry. Sorry. Right? It, that's heartfelt, right? Y'all, you better forgive them. I forgive you. All right, now hug. Y'all remember this hug. Nasty thing. I ain't right? It's the quick hug. As adults, we can laugh at it. As young people, maybe you've gotten older than maybe not. <laughs> But this is what we do. Bless God, I just hope they do good. I love them so much. They wronged me so deeply. Listen to this. They messed up so deeply and they wronged me. And I hope they do good. I forgive But down in our soul, down in the, in the deepest, darkest parts, we really want to get even and we want to get leaving and we want to get revenge and we want them to pay for what they did and we hate them. Because the only alternative if you don't love I feel like we want to be neutral so often, but we either choose light or darkness. And we know so much in our minds, and we know so much things, some of us, but we look at other people, and we hold against them what they've done their whole lives like we have them in a chokehold, just waiting on them to mess up again. Is that what marriage feels like to y'all? Because it is to me. And I guarantee if Leah was in the room, she would say amen. Because I... 
I'm a good husband, listen to this, most of the time. But when I have a hard day or things happen, it doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world. It just anything can come against me. I find that the virus that's inside of me called unforgiveness and bitterness that is, that is just going around and around that I tuck away and don't bring up for a while, I bring up something from 10 years ago. You never. You always. I can't believe you. And it's devastating to my home. I can't imagine what it must be like on days that I'm quote-unquote moody. When I bring up stuff, my wife is the best woman that I know. But I find myself in a, in a spiral that is horrible. Oftentimes, after a fight, and I play for keeps. You know why? Because I don't want to get even. I want to get revenge. I want to be right. I don't like this. If y'all think that I'm proud of this, <laughs> I'm not. I can talk to y'all in my office or out here and make y'all think, man, he's got it all together. And I am so jacked up sometimes, y'all. Because every day I have a decision to make. Every day. This is a process. And every day I have a decision to make. For the people that have wronged me the most, the people that I'm closest to, the people that have said things about you or done things to you that you couldn't imagine that they would ever do. That does not mean there's not consequences to sin. So if someone killed your brother, if someone sexually molested someone, they should go to prison. Don't miss what I'm saying. But in my heart, the jail cell that I put myself in and over their heads as well, I choose forgiveness or revenge every single day. Every single day. And before you leave today, you will choose a life of forgiveness or revenge. And if you choose revenge, I want you to see just a picture of the cycle that I believe the Lord gave me. I like the same letters like y'all have already told me. And I was in scribbling in my office and I was like, man, this isn't from the Bible, but I really think this is true. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to take these down because you'll see them in your own life. Here's five A's that are the result of revenge or an unforgiven spirit. The five A's that I believe in. There's plenty more that y'all could come up with. But just looking at my own life. Here's what I believe the Lord revealed to me through the last week of the 11 people that have wronged me and I ran straight head to head into. And in some of them, they ran from me hoping they wouldn't have to talk to me. And here's the truth. In some of them, I wanted to do the same, whether it was in a grocery store or at a gas station or in the mall or at a dinner. Dang, I don't want to talk to that person. They said whatever about me. At first, you get angry. Are y'all with me so far? You get angry about something that happens. The beginning of this chapter, by the way, Matthew 18 says, be angry and do not sin. Anger is not a sin. It's what happens after anger that becomes a sin. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, that doesn't literally mean that it, at 8.15 tonight, when you see the sun going down, you should take a legal pad out and every single night you should let the sun not go down and you should just start going crazy. It just means don't let it linger. Don't let it sit there. Don't let it build. And I think maybe this is for somebody in here. Don't let it be forgotten. Because some of y'all forget how deeply it's rooted in your spirit because when you were eight years old, something happened to you that was extremely inappropriate and you've let it sit there and you're 35, 38, 55 years old now and it sat there for years and years and years and the direct result of anger is bitterness. Y'all, I think this is the root that's the problem. 
I think unforgiveness leads to a bitter spirit. And that is lust that comes through. That is addictions that come through. That is all these different things that we try to fix. And we say, God, I'm trying to do the right thing. So why can't I cut these off? I hate it so much. What is the problem? You've never dealt with what's really the problem down deep in your spirit. And you let it sit there for so long that you forget it until it pops up. And then you say, I'm sorry I said that. I should never have said that. But you put it right back down and you don't really deal with it. And can I tell you how I know this? Because I'm talking from experience. Then it leads to abuse. In my case, I have a temper. Yesterday, my temper came out. Hasten did something he shouldn't have. And it was kind of funny because it's something that I would have done. And I wasn't going to punish him. And I ended up saying something to him that I regretted the minute that it came out of my mouth. And it was tone. It wasn't the exact word. But it was so hateful in my tone. And then we went through a process of what he needed to do right and we got it better. And I had a sit-down meeting with my whole family that seems to be interventions that happen. And every single week, there's at least one time that I have to sit down and say, I'm really sorry. Daddy screwed up big time. Here's what I did. Because I verbally abused my son yesterday. Some of y'all are really uncomfortable with me saying that. I'm cool with that, but I'm not apologizing. As soon as I turn to anger and bitterness has set in and I look at my kid and I raise my voice in an angry tone, I have abused him or her or Leah. And if you don't want a pastor that's dishonest, that's cool. There's probably someone close by that won't be. Then abandonment. If y'all have ever thought about leaving, or if you've left. Some of y'all had a right to leave, so please do not miss what I'm saying. When I was like nine or 10 on Mother's Day, this is an awesome son. Y'all are gonna wanna give me the Pastor of the Year Award after I get done with this one. I left, I packed the bag, and I tried to look like a hobo and put it on a stick and, and walked down the road. And I got, we had a hill like a quarter of a mile down and I walked down both hills and I got to the end and I thought this, I don't know what I'm gonna eat, so I'm coming home, right? Because I thought the grass is greener somewhere else. They won't make me do what I have to do. They won't make me clean. They won't make me do whatever. And I forgot how great I had it. Because anger turned to bitterness and then, and then adultery. I don't just mean sex. I need y'all to hear this. I mean, generally speaking. Whether it's lust with your eyes that, that stays there and it festers and it does something else whether it's sex before marriage or when you're in marriage, it's anything but the way that God intended marriage to be between a man and a woman forever where two leave their father and mother and become one flesh. And you've thought your whole life, why do I live in this tension? And it's something that you've let root inside of you that's like a virus and you can't figure out what the deal is. And then addictions, many of us try to kick addictions with 21 steps too. And those are awesome Please don't ever hear me knock those things because they are amazing and I'm thankful for all of them. But you can take every pill. You can go through every step. You can do anything that you want to do. And if there's still a virus inside of you of unforgiveness of what you've been wronged of or what you've done, then it's just going to remain there and then nothing's going to change. And you'll let it linger and eventually it'll show itself in the most inopportune times, in a fight, in a moment, 
and it creeps up. And when you're exhausted and tired and overwhelmed with stress, you get back on that computer. You get back gossiping. You get back saying the things that make you feel better because you can't recognize that the dude that's driving a truck right beside you actually looks just like you that you called a Unabomber. And the feeling of unplugged is so much worse because you're plugged in. But your identity is being robbed. And you don't even know where to turn because you don't know what the problem is. Here's what I think the Lord showed me. I love 1 Corinthians 13. I do it most of the times in a wedding. I, I read it and I can quote it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. But I love verse 5, and we're going to put it up on the screen. But what does that say? Will y'all say it out loud starting right here? See, this is what I think the tension is with us in forgiveness and what the price he paid for me is. I think we think God forgets. God forgets what I've done. God does not forget. He is God, and he is incapable of forgetting anything because he knows everything that has, that is, and that will happen. Ever, always, forever, because he's that amazing. God chooses to keep no record of my wrongs. And when God pulls out my record and my file should be so big that no one would be able to keep it in this room. There's one file in there, somebody. Oh, my goodness. And my file says righteous. I know what I did this week. But God is attracted to the fact that I hate it. And he's attracted to the fact that I love him back. And he's attracted to the fact that I know how much forgiveness I need. And he looks at me and says, you're my son. And I love you. And I chose not to remember because I chose the nails. He doesn't keep a record of your right and wrong. And he doesn't hold you in contempt and hold you captive and when my prayer to the good, good Father that his kingdom will come and that I know that he'll provide, when I get to this point, I have to say, God, what you forgave me for is ridiculous. And today I want to begin to let every chain be broken through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, through his power, through the flood that comes down inside of me. And the only IT for my life is not some dude that holds a microphone, but it's the King of Kings through his spirit coming inside of me. And my identity that was being robbed shifts around inside. And I experience true forgiveness. And I begin to give it out. And it changes everything. It changes everything. So many of us sit in a seat and we know all about him. But we have held people like this for so long and we failed to realize that we're the one with the hoodie and the earbuds and the glasses. And it's killing us, and we don't even realize it. But it shows itself in the most inopportune times. And I think Peter did such a beautiful job. And by the way, if anybody knew what it was like to need forgiveness, it was that guy. I love Peter, man. I understand what it was like to be him because I find myself as a type A with a big mouth, putting my foot in my mouth so often. But he who sins little receives little forgiveness, and he who sins much receives much forgiveness. That does not mean I have a license to sin. I never want to sin again. But I'm so thankful for my God. Who is able to do more than I can ask or imagine in today. No miracle that could take place is anything close to the way he's forgiven my sin. And this is what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is at hand. 
Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Be, be sober in your own thinking. Don't think those things that have been inside. Don't let those things that are inside of you that cause you to seem drunk and do things that you would never do and be depressed like you never think or have addictions like you never think would happen. Be sober in your thinking of what he thinks about you and claim the fact that he said you're righteous and he said you're his son or daughter. For the sake of your prayers, if I pray with a drunken spirit, I can never be right with the Lord in my mind and have prayers that are in tune with Him. And above all, keep loving one another. Like, Pastor, if you knew what that person did to me when I was little, if you knew what that person did to me last week, you wouldn't ask that. Can I tell you something? I'm so sorry, but I love you and I know what the Lord Jesus did for you and how much he forgave you for. And for your sake, I'm asking you to love one another earnestly at the same manner that you would want forgiveness. Be that passionate 70-fold seven and begin to give out love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. We're not enabling sinners. We're not enabling sin. We're just simply allowing God to free us. James chapter five says the prayer of a righteous man has, a kneel, uh, has healing power and that when I confess my sins one to another healing takes place and I think all of us think well I won't have a cold anymore and, and I certainly believe that, that human sicknesses can be freed but I believe the sickness that's in the house and around the world that is the deepest and hardest to overcome is unforgiveness and bitterness that is set in that leads to selfishness and pride and all these roots that are filthy. And sometimes we say the devil made us do it. And sometimes it's just unforgiveness that I got to let him heal. Y'all, this is a process. It's not a magic wand that after you leave here today, you'll never have a struggle with it again. You will struggle with it every day the rest of your life. But he will change you day after day after day and make you more like him and understand his forgiveness more and more. And that is the hope today. One of my favorite songs is what we're about to sing in just a second. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the words say. Today, some of you need that for the very first time. You've played games, you've gone through the motions, but for the very first time, some of you are going to do that today, and you're going to receive forgiveness, which means I confess with my mouth that he's my Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And for the rest of you, I want you to have an opportunity to come to the altar during this song. Will you pray with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you to do something. This is for you, man. I can't do it for you, and I wish I could, ma'am. You say, Pastor, I've never really received forgiveness and trusted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I've never confessed with my mouth and then believed in my heart that He is Lord and that he died for me out of his great love for me. And today I want to confess that I love him back. And today I want to confess that I receive his forgiveness. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. You know who you are if this is you because your heart is beating so fast you feel like it's coming out of your chest. And he is asking you to do it. I'm just simply asking you to make a step and say, that's me, and raise your hand as high as you can. Say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. I want forgiveness right here and right now. That's me. Slip your hand up, and you can put it back down in just a second if that's you. 
I see you right there, brother. Keep it up if you don't mind. Is there anybody else that would say, Pastor, the truth is that's me. I need to receive Christ and his forgiveness, his healing in my soul because I am cold and I want revenge and I need a Savior to save me. For everybody else, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just look at me real quick. There's not a magic about this, this down here. There's nothing magic about it. But there's something about getting up out of your seat and laying it down before God. You're not going to be the only one. But I want you, if this is you, to just get out of your seat and kneel down here and come to the altar. Lord Jesus, receive our prayers. We receive your forgiveness. Now break every chain in this house. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if that's you, come on right now. Make this your altar.